0: We are finishing up a series called Basic Needs. Not basic instincts, basic needs. So would you say that with me? One, two, three. Basic needs. One, one more time. Sounds so good. Basic needs. That's right. And the premise of our, of our series has been that, uh, uh, that God made us with some basic needs that have to be fulfilled. And uh, and we connected that to you know we have basic physical needs you know that's true if you don't eat uh, food uh, for four weeks you you know three weeks then you'll die if you don't breathe air after three minutes you'll die if you don't drink water after you know three days you'll die you have your body has these basic needs whether you want it to or not whether you agree with it or not whether it makes you mad or not your body has these basic needs well God made us with some basic needs in our soul as well some needs that we have to have to be complete humans uh, to be uh, strong Christians. And uh, and so we had a key scripture for this entire series. I want you to look at it with me. It's found in 3 John, chapter 1. There's only one chapter, verse 2. 3 John, put it on the screen for him. There you go. "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health." just as your soul prospers I love this that John saying listen I want you to prosper that word prosper means to grow to to, 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 to mature to go forward he says I, I pray that you may prosper in all things and, and especially in health but even as your soul prospers your mind your will and your emotions there are some basic needs that we have as Christians that we have to have met so that our soul can prosper in fact if you feel like you haven't been growing in God you feel like you know you've been away from God and Coming back home to Jesus, and you want to really grow and be a a strong Christian. Can I let me just say this to you? people of church on the hill are going to be men and women who can cast devils out, who can heal the sick, who can raise the dead, who can read the word of god and it makes sense to them, who can help their neighbor know the truth of how god loves them, who are having dreams and visions. We've got we had two gentlemen in our church had uh, had night uh, visions this week, night dreams of heaven. They were walking in heaven, talking with Jesus, miracles were happening and they and they didn't want to come back. God is doing supernatural things in our midst. Why? Because we're growing. See, growth is critical for every believer and we must grow and there are four ways that we've identified the growth of our soul that we need to have the four basic needs and so we've been covering them and this is our last week so let's review for a moment the first basic need that we have number one is security and we talked about that the first week the first and we connected it remember to illustrate how we have these needs we illustrated it to plant life and we planted some tomato plants and some merry-go-round plants or whatever they call merrim something some of them yellow yellow plants and we and And the first thing that those plants have to have to grow is they have to have good, clean air. And we, in the same way, we have to have security. And I kind of consider that the air to our lungs. See, here's the thing you got to understand. You need to know who you are in God. The number one the reason why my life is so is so enjoyable is because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if my car breaks down, it doesn't matter if my house burns down, it doesn't matter if all my kids turn away from God, my wife turns away from God. I know this one truth to be secure in my life, and that is he is for me and not against me, that I belong to him. And at the end of it all, if I die, I'm gonna spend eternity with him forever and ever and ever. And that security causes me to stand firm when everyone else is all. Wigged out and scared about stuff, I'm able to stand firm because I know who I am and I know whose I am. I have security. So so many people are insecurity, they don't know insecure, they don't know who they are. They get real insecure when someone says something to them that didn't, didn't offends them and they get all upset about it. And all that stems from the fact that they don't know who they are, but I know who I am, and you're learning who you are, and that security is the number one need that we have in our life. Our second need that we have, and we talked about that the second week, and that is intimacy. That intimacy intimacy, a real love relationship with the one who created us. And we connected that to the plant life like this plant needs water. And if we don't water that plant, it won't grow. If we watered it once a week, all you guys who have plants, if you water it once a week and you just even dumped it, there would never be real growth in it. Why? Because what would happen is you would flood it with too much water, which start which would start a process of breaking it down. And then you didn't water it the rest of the week. And that's what so many people are doing. They come to church and they're like, feed me, water me. I want intimacy with God today for this moment. But i got to get out of here. And from this point forward, I hope something works out good for me. And that's crazy. For you to have a growing, thriving relationship with the Lord, you've got to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. It needs to happen daily. You and I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you didn't get that message, go back on our website and you can listen to it. It'll really help you. I give you some of the key things that I've done that that I find in the Word to keep an intimate relationship with the Lord. Can you imagine? That plant won't grow if you only give it a little bit of water once a week. We got a daily water. You have to daily be in intimate relationship with the living God. And then the third area that you and I need so that we can grow our basic needs that we have and we talked about this last week, was we needed to know purpose. Why are we here? What are we to do with our life? And we connected that to where these plants need light and, uh, and, and and how they have to have the light to shine down to cause the growth process to happen in them. You and I need to know the light of what God had planned for our life. And so you can get purpose from a book. You can get purpose from your uh, elementary teacher. You can try to figure it out by what your grandma said or what your dad said. But at the end of the day, the only way to know why something really exists is to go back to its creator and know what the intent of the creator's heart was and the reason by which he put you and I on this planet. And if you if you missed that last week, you need to go hear that so you can understand that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You're not an accident. I tell my testimony in that and how God supernaturally gave me revelation on the fact that I thought I was a mess up. I thought I was a uh, you know I was a mistake, but how God gave me revelation that before the foundations of the earth, he picked me, he chose me. You and I need to understand the purpose for which God created us. Because once you have the purpose for something, then you will not abnormally use that something. Or what will you get the word from? Abuse. Drugs are good for medical reasons But when we take those medical reasons And we manipulate them And use them for some other reason We become drug abusers Are you there? Say yes And so as a result That thing is misused, misabused Or misappropriated And some of you are doing that with your own life Because you don't know the purpose for which God created you And then the fourth and final need that we have And we'll really dive into it today And that is the word community Everybody say community Say it out loud Say community and I would connect community to the good soil that we put these plants in. Uh, the good soil. For those of you that haven't been with us through the series, uh, four weeks ago, I, uh, I got some tomato plants, and I got this box, and, and, and the team helped me, and we got some dirt, we got some good soil from over at Home Depot, and I had a good learning lesson because I don't know much about planting stuff, and I re- recognized uh, after the fact, I did not know, some of you may already know this, but I did not know that, um, that uh, organic soil, uh, all that really is, And excuse my French, that's just poop in a bag. That's all it is. And so I opened that up here in the sanctuary and started dumping it, only to realize... Organic does not mean some high-end quality dirt. That means poop in a bag. And it filled the aroma, filled the sanctuary, and we had to quickly uh, fix that before you got here. And so we then put those plants in there, and for the last four weeks, we've been putting water. We've been putting them out in the light. Come on, somebody. We've been getting them, keeping them in fresh, clean air. And we planned that at the end of those four weeks that we would have us some tomatoes. And I'm ready to reveal. Are you ready? Give me a little, give me a little drum roll on the seat in front of you or the back of the head of the person next to you. Here you go. And I want you to see, after four weeks, here is what your plants have produced. Voila! Oh, they turned it around backwards. Hold on, they turned it around backwards. There it is. Look at all the tomatoes. Look at that. Wow! Come on, somebody. That. Look, look at tomatoes here and tomatoes here. In fact, what we're doing is we're coming through the audience and all the tomatoes that these three plants have produced, you get to sample them and eat on them. We added some cheese to it. It's magnificent. These are, it's supernatural how it happened. I know last week there were no fruit on it, but this week, in one magical moment, you have now tomatoes to be eaten. Aren't you excited? Somebody shout, yes! Okay, kill all the fireworks. Kill all the fireworks for just a moment. Uh, Jonathan, come help me. I'd like you to see up close to the tomatoes that we've grown together. Now, look, I have put a lot of soil in here, and I have... You can't see it in the back, so let's zoom in on our tomatoes that we have... uh, We've been growing here. Some tomatoes. So okay, so let's just be honest for a moment. The, we didn't grow any tomatoes in 4 weeks. <laughs> but our bean plants grew pretty good point at those right there. Our bean plants grew pretty good. Look at that. 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 There you go. Get Pastor Jonathan a hand. There you go. So we so we So here's the problem. They they're, they're going to hand you out some tomatoes and I'll just keep preaching you just eat some while you're Here's the problem. Uh it would be ludicrous for us to think that these plants in 4 weeks could produce tomatoes. So what I had to do was, I had to go get tomatoes off of some mature plants and duct tape them to these immature plants. And I did all that. Why? Because I wanted to show or make you think that I was really good at growing stuff. And I wanted you to like me and be proud of me that I grew tomatoes. And friend, can I tell you, that's what some of us have done. What we've done is we fabricated our maturity when really we're not there yet. And instead of pretending that we have it all together, watch out, here comes the heavy rally. Instead of pretending that we have it all together, how much better would it be to just say, look, I'm just four or five weeks into this thing. I'm just a year or two into this thing. I don't have it all figured out yet. In fact, I'm still kind of mad about this person and that person, and I don't quite have the growth that I want, but I know it's going to cause me to grow. I'm going to keep that water coming. I'm going to keep that fresh air coming. I'm going to keep the light of God on me and keep that thing burning bright. And at some point, if we keep doing what these plants need done for their basic needs they will make tomatoes come on you with me say yes but what happens is sometimes we get frustrated that we're not growing as fast as we wanted, as, as everyone else has grown, and we think that something's wrong with us, and so we start fabricating and becoming fake with our fruit when really, friend, it's not our fruit at all. What we had to do is go borrow that revelation from somebody else. We had to go study somebody else's teaching. We had to go steal that from some podcast, and then we duct tape it all around us and act like we've got it all figured out. But can I tell you something? You don't know grace because somebody preached about it. You don't know grace till you walk through grace grace you don't understand forgiveness until you walk through the bitterness of life and you've chosen to forgive even though I don't want to and that friend once you get to that place then you'll start bearing fruit until that time you're just barring somebody else's sermon and you're duct taping it all around you and acting like you got it all together but at the end of the day if you'll just sit back and relax and keep putting the water on it come on keep putting the fresh air keep being in the right good soil and keep the light on it what'll happen is you'll bear fruit at some point are you with me say yes I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but I'm having fun. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Our key scripture for today's teaching, which is, again, it's about community, is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 through 20. Let's look at that for just a moment. We'll put it on the screens for you. Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. It says, again, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name there i am with them jesus qualifies that where two or three where people come together in my name i'll be there with them and he starts off by saying if you'll agree about anything my father i'll do it that word agree i did i did a sermon on this years ago that word agree in the greek that word agree in the original greek is the word symphono It's where we get our word uh, symphony from. It's symphono. What it means is, it means that there is not just, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, sure, I like you, yeah, I agree. It means like when a symphony starts playing. I, I'm not really good with classical music um, uh, because, you know, I'm an 80s kid and uh, or 70s and 80s kid. And, and, and nowadays, it doesn't take anything. If you've got, you know, you got a decent voice and an iPhone camera and some auto tunes, you know, next thing you know, you can be a superstar. And that doesn't mean you can play an instrument at all. But to go to a symphony, and I've watched many, I've, I, I've watched many of these on video because I can't stand to go by myself. My wife wants me to be more cultured. But to go and listen to a symphony where there are hundreds of instruments, Playing in unison. Playing the same note with the same beat at the same time that one person makes a mistake out of all the hundred, everyone notices that that's all, but to come together, to agree. So this passage is saying, when we come into symphony with each other, when we come and we get on the same pitch, on the same rhythm, when we have that happen, God will answer anything we ask for. And it continues on, it says, and when we come together and that word together in the original Greek, it actually means union or communion or where we get our word community. When we come into community, he will be right down in the midst of it. Some of you have lived such a lonely life. You go to church, you leave the church, and you have no community. You have no other believers that stand with you. No interaction, no fighting through misunderstandings, no working through hardships, no disagreements and and trying to get back on the same page and get back in Symphono so that you can have agreement, so that you can have togetherness. And some of you have never done that, or in the past you did it, and you got hurt in the process of having relationships. So then you threw your hand up and you said, you know what, I'm not going to try that again. This is my second marriage and I'm not going to be intimate with her. I'm not going to have communion with her because you know what? I'm going to keep her at distance because my first marriage, I tried that and it didn't work or my first family or my first church. And Frank, can I tell you something? It's time to get back in community because we're two or three are gathered in his name and they come together. He is there in the midst and you were made to have community. we connected community to that soil that these plants need to grow. And we put these other plants beside each other because in a pot plant, it doesn't grow nearly as well, doesn't produce nearly as well as when you put them in a a soil together, multiple plants, and they begin to work with each other. And as a result, what you get is great fruit and great harvest. In fact, it was so important that let me explain to you the word community. It's actually defined by Webster's two definitions. Number one, people who live together. People who live together. And then the second definition is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So when we come together, when we literally do life together, and that's the tagline for Church on the Hill, doing life together. See, years ago I decided I was tired of being a big famous preacher. I was tired of striving to become that. And I just wanted to do life with people. I just wanted growing God together. I knew I was missing something. And I had this experience with one of my friends. He was a well-known traveling evangelist, of which I was kind of pattering after him. He was coaching me some. And he, when he was 14 years old, a prophet called him out of a gathering and said, God says that you'll be an evangelist. And one day, you will stand on the stage with uh, Billy Graham and preach to millions of people at one time. And my friend had lived for that dream. That kind of was his purpose. Remember, I taught you last week the purpose isn't an end goal. Purpose is what you are. And so he had it backwards. And he was thinking, if I finally get to be with Billy Graham, I'll finally fulfill my purpose. And for years, until about his mid-40s, the moment happened. Billy Graham's Crusade Group called him, and Billy Graham was doing one of his final, you know, tours where he was going to, you know, he wasn't going to preach anymore. And he did a simulcast, and it was simulcast, I believe, to like 50 million people, and they were in stadiums around the world. He was in one stadium, and they simulcasted to all these other stadiums. And my friend stood on the stage with Billy Graham sitting right there, and he preached for 45 minutes. He said, Adam, when I came down off the stage, it was the dream come true. It was the purpose of my life. It's what I'd always strive for. It was the goal line. I finally crossed the goal line. He said, and as I stood on on the floor, uh, uh, I came down off the stage, and it was all over. He said, there was no one there to say, that was awesome. My wife and kids were back home. I had to fly over here. There was nobody that had been carrying that dream with me, no one who had been standing with me. He said, in that moment, I realized I might be a good preacher, but I don't have community. And as a result, I'm not healthy in an area. And I, 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 I got something broken. One of my basic needs is not happening because I don't have that. Friend, can I explain something to you? When you have community, guess what that does? It meets your need for appreciation. We all need to be appreciated. We all need somebody to say, that was awesome. I'm so proud. Thank you for doing that. When you don't have community, you don't, get, you don't get that at work, I bet. And so, you know, if you don't get that in any other venue, then w- when does it happen? And that's inside of you. You need to be appreciated. It happens in community. In community, we have a sense of belonging. It's where we actually feel like someone actually cares that we're a part of something in community. And some of you have lived your whole life outside of community, and as a result, you just become accustomed to it. So you don't even know the power of living in community and the excitement. And the best reference some of you even have is back in the day in high school or in junior high when you're on a football team or a basketball team. And it was I played three sports in high school. It was a small school. I played football, basketball, and baseball. I loved every bit of it. And the reason that it was so exciting is because we had community. I mean, we got to where we practiced so much that I could do a pass like this without looking, knowing that my guy was going to be there because he was always right there. I knew just by what he was saying as I'm pushing the ball up the court, what my guys are saying to me behind me, what I was about to do. And the reason that was happening was because we had community, a sense of belonging. We knew where each other was at. We helped each other. We stood beside each other. We cared for one another. And then what happens is you get out of high school. You do not You You know. You do your university studies or you just get a job with her. Then you get married and you're trying to find community and that. But then you have problems in marriage and kids come along. And before you know it, you look up and all you're doing is going to church on a Sunday, and then you go home and you try to provide for your family, and you love the cowboys, and you do whatever else, and you've lost a sense of a belonging and reason there's no group and so some of you have held on to the old group from back in the day and you're still playing softball with those jokers and you're going to the clubs with those jokers when your wife lets you go out and things like that and the problem with that is, is that you're in soil that won't let you grow you've got to get out of that soil and get into healthy soil with other believers and that's the reason why some of you are saying I'm trying to serve God it just ain't working, the reason why it's because you're hanging out with those guys who get drunk every weekend and can't figure out why you're tempted to go get drunk because you're in wrong soil You can't grow in that kind of soil. You're going to have whatever that soil will allow you to produce. And guess what that's producing in you? Anger, perversion, cheating on your spouse and things like that because the people you hang with, that's how they live. That's how they believe. And as a result, that's the soil you're in. You've got to transplant out of that soil, get in some good Christian soil, get around some folks who got your back, who have a sense of belonging, who's praying for you, who's warding off all the little bugs and get beside you and start loving on you. And say, dude, that ain't right. You can't talk to your wife like that, bro. Come on, don't call yourself a Christian and talk to your wife like that. Shut up. Don't do that. Come on. I got you. Let's go. And it's that if you've ever been in community, when we play basketball and football together, that's what we do with each other. Dude, shut up. Don't do that again. All right? I'll knock you out. And next time, go left like we said, like Coach said. All right. All right, bro. All right. And we always had each other's back. Some of you have never had that. In fact, over the years, I, I, have, I have hired and fired hundreds of people. At one point, uh, uh, you know, at the Bible school that I oversaw, I had 200 employees. And a daily, uh, that's not true, probably every other day we hired someone new because it was a high turnover group. Because it was, you know, lower pay and, and it was a transitional type place. And I'll tell you, the worst people in the world that I've ever had on my team is people who had never been on a team. The worst people to hire. Always, always ended up having to let those people go. Why? Because they've never been on a team. They've never known community. So they've never known what it was to be second string. They never understood what it was that their action caused the team to lose. They never struck out in the last inning with guys on base. And all we needed them to do was hit the ball to the outfield. They've never done that and lost it for us. they never won for us. They've never played as a team. It's always been individual for them. And as a result, they're the most miserable people to work with. Why? Because it's all about them. And that's the problem It's inside of them, inside of you, inside of me, is a need for community. It's the need to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, to be a part of a group of people who actually have our back, a sense of belonging, a sense of support, a sense of acceptance. Do you know why the GLBTQ community is blowing and going right now? Because finally people are like, look, I have this problem, and I have the, or I, th- I call it life, and I found a bunch of people that, that we can join in, and we can have a purpose, and we can rally, rah, and they accept me for how I am. What happened, church? Somewhere 50 years ago, we stopped being a community, and we started being services. And we started preaching at each other and watching videos of great preachers and having these fall-down-on-the-ground experiences and, you know, Bible studies, and we stopped being community. And so guess what? All these other communities have to pop up to replace that. Why? Because every one of us have the basic need to have community. Someone supporting us, someone believing in us, someone a place of belonging, being a part of a group. I love my Christ for the Nation students because they live on a campus where all of them are on the same purpose. They're fighting for the same thing. They're wanting to get trained. And people always tease them and say, (laughs) you're in the bubble. You haven't worship every day, but wait till you graduate. You won't have that. Well, shame on them for telling that because what they ought to do is go find that and create that. Because all that is is community that they have there. And so then what happens is they'll graduate out of that and go get a job somewhere, minister somewhere, and they don't know how to recreate that community. Today, we're going to talk about how to get that community going in our life. And so let's look at a passage right here in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, because I want to make a point to you. Jesus himself needed community. The king of glory needed community. That don't make any sense, does it? Why would the Messiah, the creator of all things, need community? Look at this passage in Luke chapter 6. I want to prove it to you, verse 12. It says, In one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, verse 13, he called his disciples. There were scores of people following him, called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. And for the next three years, these guys went everywhere he went. They slept in the same, on the same floor in people's houses. They, uh, they, 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 you know, they, they bathed in the same rivers. They went everywhere to get. Why did the king of glory, why did he need a community? I'll tell you why. Because though he be 100% God, he was also 100% man. And what's inside a man? A need, and humanity, ladies. And what's inside a humanity? A need for community. Jesus himself needed community. Why didn't he just show up and preach? Why didn't he just be translated from Africa? I'm here to tell you I am the Messiah. Glory. Show up in South America. And then show up in Japan. Why didn't he just show up place to place preaching? Why? Why did he come to one location, come on now, stay with me, and then create community? He fought for it. He developed it. He picked it. And said, You're coming with me, you're coming with me, you're coming with me, and we're gonna be community. Why? Because he had a need, because God put inside of himself a need for community. That's something. Why does God love us so much? Because we're his community. Why does he want us so much? Why is he so heartbroken when we walk away from him and we chase after sin? Because we're his. We're his. He loves us. Why does it break my heart when people leave the church and go back into wickedness and sin and lead their wives and cheat on their husbands? And Why does it break my heart? Because they're ours. They're in the community with us. It affects me. Why? Because I love them. And they love me. They got, I've got their support. They've got my support. That community of believers. Oh, we need it so bad. Here's the second piece that I'd like you to understand about God himself. And that is God established his community in the book of Acts. He established that the church would not be a set of rules. That the church would be groupings of people. And look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. I love this passage. I quote it frequently. It says, and all the believers were together. So Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. The day of Pentecost has come, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter and all them who had been ashamed are now bold and courageous. Peter stands up, preaches. 3,000 people get saved. We're right there in that second chapter of the book of Acts as the church is being born and birthed. And here's kind of its birth moment. It says, And all the believers were, say it with me, together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts Praising God enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why, why didn't God, why didn't God just make a, 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 a 300 million DVD, DVD set series, drop it on the planet and say, "You want to know me, watch the DVDs." Why didn't he do that? You, we take for granted how much God wanted his church to be a community. We take for granted that we think that that God, we just naturally know that community is a natural part of who we are. But friend, if you don't fight for it, if you don't, you, you won't take advantage of community. God himself set the church up as a community. He said, pow, but pour out my spirit. Now all you guys come together, pray together, work together, minister together. And as they did, guess what the original church had? They had daily salvations. They had miracles beyond comprehension. No one in the community was poor or broke because the community took care of each other. And not only that, but everyone in the city, it says, they found the favor with them. In other words, everybody who didn't even believe in Jesus was like, dude, these people, that, that's legit right there. They, that's a the real deal. I, I'm Listen, I, that's real. That's right. That's how it should be. What do they say about churches now? that we're money-grubbing, selfish, it's all about us. Why? Somehow, over the last 50, 100 years, whatever it's been, we lost community. They don't see, because the Bible says, and they'll know that we are Christians by our love, but our, our abiding together, our eating together, our minister, our cracking each other about being able to say, listen, let me tell you something. You don't talk about him, bro. He's part of our church. He's part of church. He's in my small group. I'll knock you out. I will kill you in Jesus' name. You imagine have that kind of backing? We're all scared of getting in community, community because in the past, what we experienced was being gossiped about, talked bad about, mistreated, mishandled, misabused. And listen, that's just humanity. I mean, we got our human side too. But at the same time, community. We all have to have it. We all need it. And let me give you a couple hindrances to real community there. So I want to help you kind of start building community, what that can look like for you. As you'll notice here at Church on the Hill, we are a small group-based church. We're always talking about small groups. Why? Because we know how important community is. We know that it's the fourth of all of the ingredients for you to actually grow. And you can get all the word and intimacy that you want. And you can get all the sunlight of God that you want. But at the end of the day, if your roots are sitting on concrete and they're not down in good soil, surrounded by other good folks around you, then what will happen is you're eventually going to dry up. Because what will happen is you'll hear all this great teaching from so-and-so that you support his ministry, watch his podcast, go to his conferences once a year. But at the end of the day, what good is that if you don't have the support of a community? You've got to be connected in community. Jesus did God set his church up as that. And so let me give you a couple hindrances to real community. Ready? Number one, one of the key hindrances to real community. Number one, judgment. Judgment that we put on each other. Judging one another. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let me kind of qualify this a little bit. Because we see also in scripture that the Lord says, judge amongst yourselves. Whether that brother is right or wrong, da da, da 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 What this is not talking about is not talking about church discipline. It's not talking about orderliness within the body of believers. This is talking about you and I standing in judgment of each other and saying, look at her. I know she ain't doing that right. And, that, and, and what, what it's talking about is us, the way we, the way we view others in judgment through our, through our clouded filters. It says in that same way, you're going to receive that back on yourself. In the same way, it's not talking about church discipline because then that wouldn't make any sense because the Bible tells us clearly for the adulterous brother who won't repent, and we've gone to him, we've tried to make it right, won't repent, kick him out of the church. So so that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about you and I standing in judgment of one another so we can't connect in community. That's what it's talking about. And as a result of that, Jesus says it like this. He says, "And that same thing, you're going to receive that. You're going to have criticism towards you because you've been critical of other people. Years ago when I first started teaching at Christ for the Nations, I was teaching a class that had about 150 students. And uh, I had been teaching for a couple of years, and this class was a pretty big class. And um, in, in the middle of teaching, this girl threw her hand up, and I normally don't call them and say, hey, can, can we wait till afterwards because I want to get through my, my notes. And, uh, but I did this. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, what do you need? And she started disagreeing with the point that I just made. And, and it was kind of childish, but I was like, oh, I said, listen, I get that. Let's, let's uh, talk afterwards so we can have some real discussion. Well, she didn't want to have that. She kept being more and more rude. And, uh, and she kept pushing and pushing and pushing and wouldn't shut up. And so you got to understand, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a white Anglo community. Um, the community I grew up in, we had something we call cold capping you. And what that meant was, if you kept being disrespectful, we would cold cap you. We would, we would shut you up. And so I, I didn't even realize that I diverted into that, or reverted, excuse me, into that. And she kept running her mouth, kept running her mouth. And I said, Hold on, let me tell you something. First off, you're a student. You don't know what you're talking about, so you need to shut your mouth, okay? Second of all, that ain't even what this passage scripture is talking about. And that's not what I said. You misconstrued that. And so if you don't be quiet, I'm going to have you escorted out of here. But listen, I love you. God bless you. And like I told you the first three times, I would love to talk to you about it afterwards. But you're not going to destroy the class because you're not the teacher. I'm the teacher. You get it? And she went, and everybody was like, Whoa. <laughs> I said, now, let's go to point number seven right now, if you look down in your notes. Well, afterwards, her little boyfriend, you know, he was like, oh, I got to go defend my girl. And so he came running up, you know, afterwards, and and she's standing there behind him, you know, all mad. And they're all mad, this kind of stuff. And they just went off on me. I'm just listening, letting them go after for a little bit. And finally, the Lord spoke to me. He gave me a word of knowledge, download. And I said, can I say something to you? You're not really arguing about the point. Of what I was preaching on or teaching on, excuse me. I said, you're not even really, I'm sorry that I offended you. I had to because you wouldn't be, you were so disrespectful. I said, but that's not the point. I said, the point is this. I remind you of someone. I said, because I'm outgoing and I'm, I'm really authentic. And so as a result, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place in how I express myself. And so you have connected me with somebody in your past that hurts you. And you think all people like me that are outgoing and real vibrant are, are shallow and that they're, they're not telling the whole truth. They haven't done their due diligence to study it out. And let me tell you something. You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how many hours I've prepared this teaching. And you immediately judged me through your filter of what I reminded you of someone else. And when I spoke that out, it was a word of knowledge. They couldn't even lie about it. They were like, you're right. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) We prayed together. Can I tell you all something? We became the best of friends. We became the best of friends. Do you know why some of you have a hard time connecting in community? Because you're waiting for them to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. Because when you see that guy right there, and he's tall, dark, and handsome, it reminds you of some dude who cheated on you back in high school, and as a result, you're like, "Mm mm-mm, I ain't hanging out with them. Or because she talks a lot, she's shallow, and you want to have deep relationships, and you begin to throw your judgment based on what you've been through, and the filter, and I don't care who you are, we all profile, we don't mean to, but we have a past experience by which we connect the future and the present to, and we say, oh, that looks a little bit like this, and so I'm a little insecure, some of you walked into this church and the music was a little different you're like whoa wait that's not how wait a minute I don't know about this or that about this about this or that or that kind of thing and before you know it you threw your judgment on it and as a result to throw in your judgment it literally dismantles community the way to have community is to come in and say listen I ain't got it all together you ain't all got it together but let's let's plan ourselves next to each other and let's do life together and in the midst of that I'm going to realize wait a minute she does that because what she's been through I love her for it. And the fact that she even serves God is a miracle. See that person that you can't stand because you don't think they act right in the foyer or in the cafe or with the kids mission. You have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea what they've been through. And as a result, you're throwing judgment on them and you have no idea. The fact that they even came to church and are helping a little bit is a miracle. But because we're so quick to judge one another, we don't have capacity to actually have compassion. And have the time frame to grow together. Oh, oh my goodness. That's why the Bible says walk a mile in their shoes first. I'll tell you right now, if it was your son or daughter, you'd want us to give a little grace. And you want us to give them the benefit of the doubt. Here's the second hindrance to a real community. Number two, ready? Individualism. Individualism. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 kind of points this out. 1 Corinthians ten twenty four. Paul's dealing with this conflict amongst the Corinthians, and he says it like this. Holy Scripture, nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Now let me help you with the conflict Why this statement is made in Holy Scripture What we had was we had the, the, the Jewish Christians Now they've grown up with the law They know what right and wrong is God has set it for them They have the law They're strong in the law They're supposed to have certain festivals And certain uh, meetings So they can remember what God did The Passover So they can remember that God passed over Their ancestors and didn't kill them all That God And so they're supposed to keep all of these Kind of regulations going They're supposed to kill these, these lambs or, or these birds and so forth Just to cover their sin As a symbol of covering their sin Well these pay- have all gotten saved. They don't have that. They don't have that in their background. So they don't have any, they don't have any problem, man. They're, 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 they're having, you know, just freedom. They've gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're seeing miracles. And the Jewish Christians are fired up at the Gentile Christians. Why? Because they're doing things like eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Let me explain that to you. So they would have in those days, all, you know, all the all the little temples for all the different types of religions. And they would take meat and they would kill those animals and they put it out in front. They dance around, hey, 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 and then by the end of the day, before it's spoiled, they take it and they throw it over on Kmart Blue Light Special. Some of y'all too young know what that is, and they throw it out there for the Blue Light Special. And the Gentile Christians they poor because they've been giving everything to everybody, so they go over there. They're buying that meat, and the Jewish Christians are like. Ah! It's got demons in it, man. you eating demon meat. And so Paul's in the midst of this conflict. And they're like, what are you talking about? This meat's great. <laughs> and they have this conflict. So Paul gives the truth of God's heart when he makes the statement, no one should seek his own good but the good of others. That's the, the individualism is what do I get out of it? I mean, I went to that small group. I didn't, I didn't get anything out of it. That's your problem. For community to work. You're not going as an individual. You're going to be in the team. You're going to give. And if we all go to give and to love and to bless into these relationships. And what happens is then all of a sudden we have Sinfono. Then all of a sudden we have together. Then all of a sudden it just happens. And the next thing you know you met your friend for life. Next thing you know, you developed a relationship that works to keep you strong and getting you getting some good soil and so forth and so on. But what happens in this scenario is Paul has to tell him, say, listen, listen, this ain't about what you think is right, what you think is right. This is about one another, each of us seeking not our own good, but the good of others. Do you know this? The spiritual leaders of this church, we've all sacrificed and agreed not to drink alcohol. So, Ooh, wait, listen, I know that, right? We're in the South. That brings all kinds of that stuff up. We know that The scriptures are clear that drunkenness is a sin, that having a beer here or having a wine cooler here or there, it's not going to send us to hell. But we're spiritual leaders, and for the sake of the good of everyone else, we just don't do it. We've given up our freedom because it's not necessarily positive for everyone else. Because that other guy who has an alcoholic bin sees the pastor getting getting a daiquiri over at the thing says, well, if he does it, then I can drink five more before you know I've caused him to stumble. That's what Paul is dealing with in Corinthians. It's a maturity level that most people never get to, so they never produce fruit. That's why everybody's borrowing fruit from all the other mature people. And duct taping it to their lives. And it's not a revelation that you got. It's not something that you sacrificed. It's what someone else said. And you want to drop the mic and put it on your Instagram, but you've not walked it out at all. What you have to do is walk it out. And then you do that in community. So now that I've made you mad, I'll keep moving. Laziness is number three. Might as well keep digging, right? So the third, the third hindrance, if you will, uh, to community is laziness. Number three, and here's the reason why I call it laziness: because you have to work to be in community with people. It's work. It's work. I can't tell you how many times, hey, are, you, are we having to look at it? We had to show up. We had to counsel, cancel some things and didn't show up for some things to, to have this. They all got, they got video games to play. They've got you know. They've got. I'm just picking on you millennials anyway. But let me tell you something. What are you busy with? What are you, what, of the four things that it takes for you to grow and be the spiritual giant that God's called you to be, what means more to you than that? That's what I've had to learn. So I've had to fight for relationships, even when I didn't want to fight for community, didn't want to be in it. I'm, I'm an only child. I am, you want to talk about individualism? I'm the epitome of individualism. I've never shared anything. Never had to. Some of you got to your brother's hand-me-downs? <laughs> Not me. Some of you know you had to, you know, you didn't you, you know, you couldn't touch certain food in the refrigerator. Pfft, I'm an only child. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. That's how I was raised, and that's who I was. So to need, to say I needed community, I mean Pastor Sean says on the front row, we're only children. We we talk about it all the time. Give me a ball of string, put me in a patty room, I'll be just fine. I'll find a game, I'll make up a game, I'll talk to myself. I like talking to myself, I like myself. That's only children, right? Right? So, so it was hard for me to t- begin to say, I do have a need for community, and I need to fight for it. Guys, can I tell you something? Don't be lazy towards community. Return those phone calls. Reach out to somebody here at the service. Get some good Christian friends around you. Start living some life and get some good soul around you so that you can grow. Last and final, you still there? Say yes. yes. Number four, the fourth thing that causes us uh, to, to have a defunct community life, and that is number four, inauthenticity. Inauthenticity not being real my pastor wrote a book, Rick B. he's my pastor he's got this small church, about 15,000 in, in Arkansas, he wrote a book last year, it's called Be Real and, it's, and it's, I love his, his tagline because fake is just too hard be real be authentic, now authenticity is uh, not, that's not an excuse uh, to be critical of people well, I'm just being real She's, I can't stand her I just want to be real, gotta be real no no that's what you call being critical and rude that's not being real that's being rude all right but being being authentic man just like look i am not producing a lot this year i I went through something and and it's just tough man i'm just i'm just glad you are still with me and still love me being real not trying to pretend that you've got it all together when you don't have it all together so the community can come around you why do i why do i get you to raise your hands to get people to pray for you because i'm breaking that pride down I'm breaking that pride down. Because otherwise, you'd love to run up to the pastors and find the pastors who are more anointed than everyone else. No, you're not. Look, we need each other. We need each other. Because if that's the case, all the devil has to do is kill the pastor, and then the sheep will scatter. No, no, we're one body, one community, one unit. Listen, we've got God as our head. Come on, somebody. He's the boss of Church on the Hill. Not me, not the pastors. He's the boss. And you and I need community with each other. need community with each other. And as we come into community... Supernatural things happen. We see it in the New Testament. They had daily salvations. All their needs were met. Everyone around the city loved them and respected them. Miracles were happening like crazy. All because they got in good soil. All because they got community going. Again, last and final piece is because we've become inauthentic. I know. I know for some of you, you were authentic back in the day and someone abused that. But, but listen, you can't, you can't start being fake So that you can protect your heart. That doesn't work. You have to keep being real. And those who have mishandled your heart. Those who have abused it. What will happen is they will stop being a factor anymore. And you will find real community. With those who actually love you for you. And not for what you do. Most of us have been loved for what we do. Around the church. And not for who we are. And one of the things that you will see around Church on the Hill. Is that we love people even if they can't do anymore. We still love them. And we still embrace them. They are still part of the community. And they'll get healed up, and then God will get them doing again. But it's not so much about doing as much as it is about becoming. And the west, best way, the, 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 one of the greatest strengths in our development is to have good community around us. Hope that's helped you. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent today. I hope this series has been a blessing. If you are in a place where I've been, and you, I, I check the vine periodically and see if I have fruit in my life, if I'm looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. And when I check in and I don't find what I'm looking for, I now have four areas to go back and check. Have I stopped being intimate with the Lord? Have I become insecure and lost my identity in Christ? Have I lost purpose and got off chasing some kind of crazy thing that's not really God's plan for my life? Have I lost community? i Have gotten so busy that I don't have community anymore? I don't have the support of the community. I don't have the feeling of belonging. I don't have that, 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 that whisper in the back of my ear from my buddy, hey, bro, you need to watch that. I don't have that accountability. I have four areas that I can check now and see have I not watered properly have I not shined enough light is my soil bad I I have four areas now that you and I can go and check periodically to see that we're growing and make sure that we continue to grow I want you to close your eyes with me across the room for just a moment bow your head now as your head's bowed and your eyes closed this has been a phenomenal series it's helped me I'm sure it's helped you God's really challenged me today we're talking about community it's that final piece in our development it's that final piece of our needs being met where in your life did you stop having community what 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 caused that what what would you what would you be willing to do to get that back do you recognize the need for it you can't be an island friend jesus himself needed community god the father birthed the church as a community if it was that important to god it's got to be that important to us with every head bowed and every eye closed would you ask the Lord, say Lord am I in good community, do I have good friends around me people who love me have I plugged in do I have good soil that I'm planted in some of you have bounced around from soil to soil you've gone from church to church and so your roots are just shocked they don't have any real, real, real ability to grow because you've been uprooting yourself and uprooting yourself and I would challenge you church on the hill is not the perfect church but it's the church you're sitting in now. Why don't you let the roots go a little deeper before you jump out? Get to know a few more people and try to do life with a few people. Don't look to be offended. Don't stand in judgment that they're going to offend you again like the other church. Don't look for problems. Look for life. Look for life. Go connect with it. Maybe you're in this place today and, and you're like me. You grew up like me. It's just real individualistic. Everything is focus, your filter is how will it affect me does it make my life better, does it help me more than it helps everybody else, I don't really care about everybody else I remember when God broke me of that it was a process, it was about a four year process if you recognize that you're really full of yourself then this would be a moment to say Lord would you help me would you help me break that, I I, I know that process for me it was four years, I pray for you it's only four weeks but in that, I found the strength of community that I never had before and it gave me it gave me that, like my friend taught me It didn't matter how good I preached or how many television broadcasts I were on, how many people bought my CDs, bought my DVDs. It became about, I want to do life with people. And that's why Church on the Hill, doing life together is our tagline. Because something happened in me where I recognized that I needed community. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this church, that, Lord God, that they they would grow, that they would have healthy, healthy lives that, Lord God, that their basic needs would be met because they will they'll not stand at a distance. They'll not disagree, but they'll come into agreement, into symphono, Lord God, and they'll, and they'll come in togetherness with some other believers. And, Lord God, for some of them, Lord God, that have just been in soil with uh, some old friends who still doing drugs, still smoking dope, still cheating on their spouses, still cussing and spitting and acting a fool and going out and getting drunk, Lord God, that you would help them plant themselves in good soil. Lord God, that they could overcome the fear and the judgment, Lord God, that Christians aren't going to be there for them. And, and, and Lord God, that they could start l- literally bonding with some other believers and have that place of belonging, that sense of accountability, that, that, that life-giving source of being in a community that we all need. Now, would you do me a favor? Would you reach over and grab that hand, that person next to you? Could we just be a community of believers for a moment? Now, Father, we just come together as one church, and we ask you, may we never be a church that's splintered off. May we never be a church full of just individuals who, Lord God, who who never connect in community. God, I pray, Lord God, that our church, no matter what you do, how, how you grow it, Lord, what transpires in the years ahead. That, Lord God, today we make a vow before you as as the leadership, as congregants, Lord God, as members of this church, to always fight for community. Lord, we won't be lazy about it. We won't be slothful about it, Lord God. We'll prefer our brother. We'll not seek our own interest, but the interest of others. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that let that go down through our DNA even stronger than it's ever been. And may the love of God abound in our hearts for one another. Lord, may we stand for you and stand for one another. May, Lord God, may you do miracles that we never thought possible. Lord God, I thank you right now for the body of Christ being the body. Every part working in unison together to accomplish that which God created us to do. Lord we ask you now Lord God that every man and woman in this church would be people who grow or keep on growing and growing and producing fruit Lord God under repentance and that Lord God at the end of all of this when we stand before you we'll hear well done good and faithful servant in Jesus name and all God's people say out of it, Amen and Amen and Amen